0: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer your support now and now on with the show
1: hushes wreaking havoc hurting cats and kids he has family problems, ain't the person he should have been. Scarecrows spreading toxins, I took a big hit. Gave me wicked munchies, but get Selena out of it. Oh, Alfred, Gordon should send his man. I'm hanging in the Batcave with bad books for beginners again. I'm hanging in the Batcave with Bad Books for Beginners again.
2: Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 191. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts.
3: On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, Break down the plot and the art and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read.
2: Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Batman R.I.P. Heart of Hush. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Hey, little Bob Dylan there. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> yes. Very good. Great stuff, my friend. Thank you. Hello, Bat Fans. Thank you very much for downloading and sharing a part of your day with us. As a trade paperback, Batman Heart of Hush is a 144-page full-color softcover that was first released in December 2009 and cover-priced at $14.99. This would go through subsequent printings. Within a year, a hardcover version would be released for $5 more. This book collects five issues of Detective Comics, numbers 800 and 46 through 850. Those issues were covered dated September 2008 through January 2009. Those issues had a cover price of $2.99 except for issue 850 which was cover priced at $3.99. If you're interested in obtaining a hard copy version of the story, going the trade paperback or online version may be the way to go. Issue 850 appeared to fetch quite a bit from online vendors in the resale Pile. Oh. This is available on Comixology for $9.99 and vendors have copies from about $7.5 to around $14 for the hard copy version. For our creative team, per usual, I'll go off online resources and my memory as such as it is. <laughs> Our writer is Paul Dini, who has been mentioned numerous times on past episodes of our show, so I'll provide the short version of the bio. Dini is 61 years old, and he was born in New York, New York. I think the most recent thing I read from Paul Dini was the Actionland chapter in Action Comics 1000, which was covered dated back in June 2018. And that chapter was drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, and Kevin <laughs> Nolan. He also wrote the very emotional, powerful, and gripping graphic novel entitled Dark Knight, that's Knight with the letter N, Dark Knight, a true Batman story, in which Dini recounts his vicious, near-fatal mugging attack that occurred back in 1993 in Los Angeles. It's a book worth the read and one that I highly recommend. fans will certainly know Dini. ...from his work on Batman the Animated Series, where he was a writer, editor, and producer on the show. Along with Bruce Timm, he co-created the character Harley Quinn. He's also worked on the oversized graphic novels with Alex Ross. Dini has won five Emmy Awards for his talented animated-related work... Before his work on Batman, he's also worked on the Tiny Toon Adventure series, and before that, the Masters of the Universe series. Hmm. Dini is married to Misty Lee, a magician, and we bring it up every time Jerry and I cover a Dini written story. <laughs> it's the question, will we get the requisite Zantana appearance in this story? <laughs> so stay tuned. Our penciler is Dustin Gwynn. Gwynn was born in 1976. Starting with the of 40 of Detective Comics, Gwynn would be the regular ongoing artist with writer Paul Dini. Their run lasted until issue 852, after which the pair launched Batman Streets of Gotham, which lasted 21 issues and was canceled in March 2011. In 2012, Gwynn collaborated with writer Scott Snyder on the miniseries American Vampire, Lord of Nightmares, which made the New York Times bestseller list in 2013. He subsequently launched Batman Little Gotham with co-writer Deller Fridloffs, an all-ages series that was positively reviewed by Brian Truitt of USA Today. In rendering that series, Gwen drew inspiration from the cartoons of the 1980s and 90s that he viewed in his childhood, explaining that in watching them, you get this goofy view of the world. In 2015... Writer Jeff Lemire launched his co-creator-owned Image Comics title series, Descender, with Gwen as the artist, for which Gwen won a 2016 Eisner Award for Best Painter Slash Multimedia Audience. This series was inked by Daryl Friedolfs. Daryl Friedolfs is a professional comic book creator. He began his career in 2000 working for Marvel Comics on the title Wolverine. Later, he moved on to work for Wildstrom Production. And the title Gen Active. He's also worked for Dark Horse Comics on the title Angel. His first published work for DC Comics was in 2007 on the title Superman Batman. And later he would work on other titles, including Teen Titans, Green Lantern Corps, Detective Comics, and most recently, he's been working for DC on titles like Looney Tunes, Batman, and Scooby Doo. Over on Amazon.com, this trade paperback has a rating of 4.4 stars out of 5, based on 83 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 4.04 stars Hmm. out of 5, based on 7,625 ratings and 201 reviews. (laughs) Hmm. But do you know any of those critics? Perhaps not. Mm -hmm. But perhaps you know Jerry and Chris. Yay! (laughs) And just what (laughs) will we think of this book, and how will we score it? Perhaps you recall the story, perhaps you never read it. At any rate, stay tuned to hear our rating, and with that, I shall hand it back over to you, Jerry.
2: Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about the story after a few messages from some of our friends.
4: Hey, folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over a hundred pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give and take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant, soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets him escape into an amazing world of comics even if it's just for a few minutes. So, here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate 1 cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida three three six one three now they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this i can tell you it will mean a lot and if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book trust me we understand about that you can donate through their website as well again that's support just remember two things all right two things one, make sure the comics have good, clean content, no nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade, or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pick on the Longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back.
2: So here's the story of Batman R.I.P. Heart of Hush. Bruce has infiltrated Dr. Aesop's gang as Lefty Knox. Aesop is collecting animals illegally. However, Lefty has messed up several heists by, quote, crying wolf, which Dr. Aesop points out means he can't be trusted. Aesop goes to punish Lefty, but Lefty is saved by Catwoman's arrival on the scene. Afterwards, the two discuss how to take down Aesop, as well as Bruce's relationship with Jezebel Jett.
1: Hmm,
2: little jealous there. Mm-hmm. Their conversation is watched through binoculars by a man with a bandaged face. Hush. Also known as Tommy Elliot, Bruce Wayne's childhood friend. Tommy has bought an abandoned hospital with his family's money. He's drugging homeless people and others to work for him. Well, that's one way. (laughs) (laughs) Get it at good rates. Yeah. Yeah. Under scale. Tommy remembers his past, how he hated his parents, and cut the brake line on their car to kill them. Sadly, his mother lived. A cop, Slam Bradley, suspects Tommy, but doesn't pursue his crazy theory. Tommy was jealous of Bruce when his parents were both killed. Tommy's mother was super protective of her son as he grew up. He wasn't able to play like other rich kids because his mother needed him around all the time. Pro tip, don't call Tommy Elliot a mama's boy. He also has rage issues.
3: (laughs) Indeed.
2: (laughs) So like all good Gotham swells, Tommy was sent to Dr. Crane, also known as Scarecrow, for therapy. Which goes about as well as you'd expect. All his life, Tommy was compared to Bruce, and his mother didn't think he measured up to the Wayne scion. Tommy did hook up with Peyton Riley, a member of the notorious Gotham crime family. His mother doesn't approve of the relationship with the crime family member. But with Peyton's help, Tommy ultimately smothers mom with a pillow to avoid being cut out of the family fortune. Tommy leaves Peyton anyway. He's a pretty cold-hearted fella. Bruce and Selina disrupt Dr. Aesop and his gang thanks to some bat gas and Selena's connection to felines of the lion variety. However, Hush kills Aesop. Batman sees Tommy is still alive, and Tommy says that he won't have to fear any other bad guy while he lives. Batman knows Hush is likely to strike against the Bat family, so everyone fans out to warm the clan. Selina warns Zatanna, you called it, Chris, who uses playing cards (laughs) to tell Selina's fortune. The card that's turned over is the Queen of Hearts. Hush breaks into Selina's place and kidnaps her. While he fights her, she exposes his face and she is shocked at what she sees. What could it be? We don't find out yet as Selina is stabbed in the chest. Hush takes her to the hospital and begins to operate on her. Batman gets a message to come to a cave in a national park. He goes and finds Scarecrow. Scarecrow has taken a foster kid, Colin, with a stuffed animal, Rory, and pumps him full of venom. Colin turns into a beast and attacks Bats. Batman fights him, and the kid decides he wants his stuffed animal. Unfortunately for Scarecrow, he's holding the animal and is attacked by the hulked-out kid, or baned-out kid. Batman removes the venom tubes, and Colin returns to normal. Scarecrow tells Batman that this whole thing was a distraction. He contacts Oracle, yay, Oracle who goes to tell him to go to the hospital. He does, and he finds Selina with her heart removed, and on a machine keeping her alive. That Dr. Tommy Elliot is bad news. Batman beats Hush's location at the hospital out of Scarecrow, while Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific keep Selina alive. Hush gets reports of the Batmobile on the way to the hospital, and he has his staff fan out to meet Batman. One of the doctors tells him which way Batman is coming, but surprise, the doctor's really Batman. Punches are thrown. Tommy tells Batman how he survived his previous appearance in Hush, and tells Batman what he's been up to since. In short, he didn't die. He got help from Mr. Freeze to build a heart removal machine and shows Bats he has Selina's ticker on ice. The room is full of knockout gas, however, and Batman passes out. Tommy removes his bandages and reveals he's had plastic surgery to kind of sort of look like Bruce. He plans to kill all the Bat family, with them momentarily mistaking him for Bruce. Tommy goes to Wayne Manor and tries to kill Alfred. That doesn't go as planned since Bruce got away from the hospital staff and called in the warning. Nice moves, Pennyworth. Bruce gets Selina's heart and puts Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific on the job. Batman and Hush fight in Wayne Manor under the portraits of Dr. and Mrs. Wayne and make their way to the Batcave. Tommy is suitably impressed with his first view of Batman's secret lair. They fight. Alfred fires up the Batcave T-Rex. Nightwing and Robin arrive and join the battle. Hush takes off in the small bat copter, the Whirlycopter, but his face bandages get caught in the propellers and it crashes. His body is not found, however. Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific have fixed Selena up. Bruce visits her hospital bed, kisses her forehead, and says he will love her forever. She says she's awake and heard it all. they kiss selena uses all the means at her disposal to drain tommy's family fortune barbara gordon tracks down his holdings some documents are forged anti-heroes like harley quinn and ivy help track his resources down slam bradley helps too the cat team springs into action to avenge their girl she gets a video to hush telling him of what she has done to him and that maybe he should end his own life the end So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends.
0: My name is Stella, and I am the host of Back Girl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Back Girl to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Back Girl for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Back Girl to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Back Girl and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and freedom fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spyway, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history and determines whether they are hot or not reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Back Row Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Back Row Run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Back Row Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Backroll to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Bat's lovers. Welcome back.
2: Okay, Chris, what would you think?
3: Jerry, some initial impressions with broad brush strokes to start. Uh, Gwen? This art may be an acquired taste, but I've always found it really evocative, moody, and dynamic. Now, as with the past material we've covered here, there are some great panels where he likes to do some villain recollections. And, you know, in the opening chapter, we had a great one with the Joker, Harley, and Ivy, which I thought was really masterfully rendered. I thought we had an awesome use of flashback storytelling with great artwork and sepia tone. We didn't get uh, too much right away. It sort of le- built to a crescendo, if you will, and it was really, really masterfully played out we had a great battle uh in the climax with the bat cave and actually yeah. being taken out by that uh golden uh prop of your the whirly bat which Batman <laughs> used back in the day the solo little helicopter which was really really nice and oh such great cat and woman dialogue throughout oh, this no. and great great conclusion there was a lot to like here i think there was something for everybody really enjoyed it what, what, what were your initial thoughts jerry
2: well first of all this is a bruce and selena story so this has every reason for me to like it starting <laughs> out the gate. I know our last episode was a Bruce and Selena story. Didn't go so well. This time is very different. Absolutely. Uh, this really shows how close the two are. Um, You know, there's discussions about their relationship, uh, Bruce's relationship with Jezebel Jet and his prior near miss relationship with Zatanna. All of this comes up, but it seems like everybody knows that, Batman and Catwoman, Bruce and Selena, are soulmates. And everyone understands that, as do I. And so this is my wheelhouse. <laughs> I love this story, how, how that's developed. And I think it was done expertly here in this case. Yes.
3: Now, wh- what do you think of uh, Tommy Elliott as a villain?
2: Well, I, th- you know, I read Hush. I liked hush i don't think i have the you know reverence for it that other people do um i think i actually liked him here even more so than i did there um i like to call back to tommy and bruce's childhood you know get a little background as to where tommy's coming from and how he's always had this kind of deception in his personality you know in his heart that's part of who he is uh he he was a false friend to bruce for a long time Spending time with him, but also, you know, kind of hating him in a way too. So, um, you know, he does have family problems. So his, his mom isn't the best and his dad wasn't the best. <laughs> um, you know, and you get what you get, but I think he's an effective, uh, um, nemesis for Bruce here. I liked him. What do you, what do you think about Hush as a character? Well, you know, I, I, like him a
3: bit. I, I was a fan with the Jeff Loeb, uh, Jim Lee story, which started back in Batman 68, and I think it's always held in reverence as one of the uh, more current Batman quote-unquote classics, you know, mm-hmm. at least uh, pre, pre-rebirth pre and New 52. And just for the sake of argument, I was going to say, well, I know we both I think, I I know I like the story and I'm pretty sure you were going to like it and I just didn't want to conjure up a debate to see if uh, Hush was a contrived villain in any Mm -hmm. sense, you know. Here, Batman had been around for, uh, oh gosh, decades and and here's the introduction. Oh, by the way, Bruce had a friend named uh, Tommy Elliott, you know, did Mm -hmm. did this seem contrived in any way? But, you know, this was something I allowed to pass and I think most of fandom did as well. I, I think he's, I don't know of anybody who hates the character. Mm-hmm. Let's say, as a villain that's hated. I don't know if he's, uh, revered as much or an upper tier as of yet, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I think, I think the character is a good character.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the connection with Bruce's past makes it a different kind of character that, you know, is different than, uh, you know, your Riddler or Joker or whatever. There's, this is a childhood thing. So, and, and I think it, I think it works well here in this case. Um, you know, I think that, Tommy's mom always trying to compare him to Bruce. And, you know, you can see, you can understand why he has this animosity towards him. Um, and you feel for him in a way. But, of course, you know, ultimately, <laughs> he's the bad guy and you want Batman to beat him up. Um, and he it's funny. He has these uh, fantasies and there's a little bit of a jip at the beginning of um one of these issues here i think it's 847 where you see you know hush kills batman i don't want to I
3: wasn't fooled bad. but i thought that was really well done myself yeah. you thought it was a little bit of
2: a jib? i thought it was a little bit of a jip i was like oh he killed <laughs> batman it's like well you know here we go we're going to go down this this uh, plot line and it's like no he's just dressing people up to practice killing batman so i mean it was funny but i was like what <laughs>
3: i think i saw dr lovelace do that with uh Jim West on Wild Wild West once he had all these fake Jim West walking around and he would, they would he had a school where the, the guys would practice to assassinate Jim West. So I thought, oh, okay, so I, maybe that was still still a little fresh in my mind when I did the reread of this. So I kind of thought, ah, okay, that's what this is all about.
2: <laughs> Too funny. But yeah, we had, you know, the whole romantic thing where, you know, Selena goes when she visits Satana and, you know, Satana even knows that. You know, I just can't compete with Selena, with Bruce. Um, and, you know, it's a really nice, friendly, competitive interaction between the two characters, which I don't know. Had, has there been a lot of um, back and forth between Selena and Zatanna in other stories? Uh, this was pretty good here. N- not, yeah,
3: I, I agree, Jerry. And not that I recall. I think this is the one we, we, the only thing that comes to mind was, uh, in something we read for the show was where, uh, Zatanna did the mea culpa with with all the whole mind wipe thing uh, oh, from right. from the fallout from my identity crisis. Beyond that, you know, I think they they sort of buried the hatchet, mm-hmm. and it was nice to see them here. And I don't know why I keep asking myself if Denny's going to if we're going to see Zatanna in in Paul in, in, in any story that we cover, but here she yes. is again. And I don't think it's necessarily overkill. Mm-hmm. I think uh, some might make a case for it. You know, mm-hmm. why why is she popping up in these stories? But I. I, I don't mind this. I, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I, I think, think this works. was good. I think this this story offered a, a lot of characters, I, and mm. and Zatanna was no different. Everybody had their little moments here.
2: Yeah, we get the Wonderland gang. Uh, yeah, we get Doctor Midnight and Mister Terrific. So that's, and, and, you know, with them, um, with Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific, they had a great moment where they, you know, kind of realized that Batman loves Catwoman. Like it's, and it's just another heartwarming moment about their relationship that I really appreciated. Mm, Absolutely. There's a lot of, a lot of comedy in this, uh, story. And, you know, I was thinking about that scarecrow, uh, and Colin sequence, you know, with the little kid. And there was, like, a, a, a moment where uh, Colin wants his bear, Rory, and he looks around, and unfortunately, Scarecrow is holding it. And then the kid goes after Scarecrow to get his bear back. And it's just the way it was presented, just these kind of the realization of the character uh, of Scarecrow going, like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. And, you know, it's really these little moments and even that whole sequence, even though it is kind of filler to quote unquote distract Batman, it's done really, really well. Even the filler in the story works, right? You have this kid who's being, you know, used to fight Batman and he's just a scared kind of homeless foster kid that wants his bear and just wants to be, you know, safe and warm and happy and he's being kind of tortured by uh Scarecrow. And it you it's it's full of compassion for this kid that even though Batman has to fight him he doesn't want to hurt him because he understands what's going on. This is I think really really good writing work from Denny and really good artwork to to bring out your compassion for these characters and also mix in some humor, you know, visual humor at the same time. I think it's really well done.
3: I do, too. Jerry, I mentioned the flashbacks and how mm-hmm. they pulled it off in this uh, book. Mm-hmm. And just with each little sequence, we got a li- little bit more of a reveal and a little bit more of story progression. Mm-hmm. I thought it was well done. I thought the facial expressions were outstanding. Yeah. Did you think this was really executed as, as, as storytelling goes? Did you think it was a little bit of over? Overkill? Was it too little, too much, or just right with the flashbacks, in your opinion?
2: Uh, for me, I like the flashbacks a lot. So I, um, I think they had a, a good uh, story arc or life arc, if you will, for Tommy, as he's, you know, his father is a, a, an alcoholic that's horrible to him. And, is, you know, you can see why he wants to kill him because he's, you know, living such a terrible life. And, you know, Tommy's flawed and he's seriously flawed and he is in some ways kind of the polar opposite of Bruce. But, you know, really, his flaws are exacerbated by his situation and it turns him into a bad guy. While Bruce and it shows it here in the story, I think it's a really good contrast between the two that Bruce really does have a pure heart. And has problems in his life, but faces them and deals with them very differently. So the two are similar, but different. And I think that this, these flashbacks really show that strongly and, you know, make it clear who you should be rooting for in this case. Yeah. Great, great point. Um, how about you? What did you think about those flashbacks?
3: I I really enjoyed them because I think. We get to see the depiction of children, and there's just this steady, steady progression of time passages with each one. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, I think flashbacks can be told in an ineffective way, and they can either be a little bit of overkill. There can be too much of a little bit of a tell, mm-hmm. and it 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 at the end we don't get enough meat or too little or too mm-hmm. much and i think this was just right mm-hmm. I, this this was really really well done i think uh, denny had a plan okay i'm going to execute this story in five break it down And it seems so seamless. It Mm. just seems so seamless, and I thought it was really, really well crafted. I I almost would like to see a different uh, adaptation of this, even Mm. if it it be it in uh, prose or in animation form, or even live action. I think there is a Uh, lot, lot to be had here.
2: Yeah, I agree. And. You know, there's really so much for fans, uh, for folks that have been, you know, um, reading Batman for a while, even just in this kind of uh, arc or in this kind of time period or in general, you know, you see uh, Peyton Riley. We get the background of Peyton Riley, who we've seen recently as the ventriloquist. So I yes. thought that was interesting to see kind of her history with uh, Tommy Elliott. And also in the Batcave, there's a bunch of Batmobiles. Yes, <laughs> that
3: loved fun. it! I love that we we had the dinosaur, we had the yes. Batmobiles, and, and the Whirly Bats. We, even, oh, I, I think there that. was the '66 uh, Batmobile was yes, in there, the there the, the one with the uh, Big Hood from the '40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice, nice touch. And uh, I'm a sucker when they allude to uh, the Golden Age uh, devices, and, and the Whirly Bat was just yeah. just so classic. And I, I'm so <laughs> glad. I can't remember the last time I saw a Whirly Bat in a story. I thought, how cool was that? That's and and man. the dinosaur looked menacing, and it was mm-hmm. just just really really a great setting and a well depicted.
2: Yeah. And, and I think the thing for me at the end was how Harley and Ivy stepped in to help Selena avenge what uh, Tommy had done to her and, you know, they're the sirens, right? You don't mess with the sirens because you mess with one of them <laughs> and you've got the other two are going to come after you. So I yes. thought that was for me, who I really like the the sirens as a team. Um, I I really enjoyed seeing that kind of retribution against them. It,
3: it was, and how it was played out, You, you it's, it was almost very somatic in approach because you, you have uh, Elliot listened to this uh, uh, recorded message on a computer where you see, you see this and then we get to see all the smash cuts to, you know, Harley with the money and uh, Ivy having her fun with it, mm-hmm. and just just the words that she she used there. There was one particular piece of writing right before um, uh, Hush shuts shuts off the message in disgust, and uh, Selena says, "Yeah, pretty classy for a quote gutter slut." I may not mm-hmm. be much in a lady in your eyes, but even you have to admit I'm one hell of a thief. And I thought, yes, yes. He is. Perfect, perfect Catwoman right there. Just, just loved it.
2: Yeah, fantastic. So, so kinda, you know, stepping back. What do you think about this as a story? You know, would you rate it? Would you review it? Where would you fall on this? Jerry,
3: we get to the point where some things are a no-brainer and I love, Mm -hmm. I love episodes where, uh, things to be a no-brainer. I love when I do the research and I see that things, oh, this went through multiple printings. This is, that's sort of a tell Mm -hmm. for me that this was a really revered book and this is probably going to be something I'm going to like. I remember, I have to confess, I, I didn't remember as much of this when it came out. Initially, I mean, I've, I've just read so many things since then, and I didn't get a chance to revisit it. As I've said in the past, I love being uh, part of the show because it, get to, it forces me to reread some of the old other stuff. Yeah. Well, let me see if I can get on the fence a little bit and take a step back. You know, was this a quote-unquote event book? I mean, did this have something like, is it going to be referred to in future uh years of Batman, Mm -hmm. like, uh, well, I remember that. No Man's Land event. Oh, I remember, you know, identity crisis. Oh, I remember these things like that. Not necessarily so, but I I don't Mm -hmm. want to shortchange this in any way, shape, or form. This is a great, great story. It's not an event book, but would I recommend it? Absolutely. Would I Mm -hmm. rate it highly? Um, you know, if I' gonna say five is a masterpiece and four and a half is a near masterpiece, this is gonna be a solid four out of five for me. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I would recommend it for any bad fan. You, you've got a little bit of everything here. It's a well crafted story, great villain, great artwork. We've got Batman a little bit on the ropes here. There's mm-hmm. um, point counterpoint. Each villain trying to outthink the other. Yeah. Good good stuff here. Uh yeah. Well so that's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say four out of five and a marginal must read, but it, it definitely yeah, it is a must read, I think. How about yeah. you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say, especially if you have any kind of, um, you know, appreciation for the Bruce and Selena relationship, I think this is one of the very, very good, one of the best um, relationship stories where he's really got a he's got a savor, but there's good interactions between them and even the interactions of them separately, much of it is about the other. And um, so if you're a, a Bruce Selena fan, I would say that this is a must read. Um, and if you're just, uh, you know, it's so good. Good, I think that this is something I really would, I definitely recommend. anybody would would read it, but it, it's just that it's so good that um, it borderlines on must read. I I would go with you with four. Um, I could I could see myself going as high as four and a half on this, and I think sure I could too. Yeah. That, you know, and that could be just for me being such a big Bruce Selina fan. Um, that, and this is just right up my alley. So for me personally, it would probably be four and a half, and I think for the average person, it would probably be a four. Sure.
3: Yeah, and I do want to mention, I did forget to mention, uh, Dustin Gwynn also provided the cover art. The covers were magnificent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were just. Almost suitable for me being a poster, especially uh, 850, which I think was used on the trade. Mm-hmm. Just, just a great, great cover.
2: Uh, all, yeah. all of them were outstanding. So the, the art uh, I, I in general good. is really good. I mean, yes. there's so much strong work with the colors and it's almost like they're abstract colored shapes and they're kind of some of them, you know, where they're emerging from these dark backgrounds. And it's really, really strong use of kind of the darkness and the negative space and, you know, having things, you know, coming out vividly inside that kind of setup. It's, um, really strong. And, um, I think the art here is, is really exceptional. Sounds great.
3: All right. We are in agreement, yes. We
2: are in agreement. We are unanimous in that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now, folks, now don't forget to check Chris and I out. We also have another show that we do that we're about to do in about 10 minutes, Um, (laughs) the Professor Frenzy Show. By the time this episode is aired, we will have released, well, we're going to be working on the uh, 21st episode of the Professor Frenzy Show, and that's about indie comics and other pop culture topics, and we've been having a great time over there. So check that show out. You can search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show and uh, enjoy that one. You can also um, uh, see Chris out on Twitter, and he's at B-T-O-N Books And uh, he does some other things where he uh, reviews some things for the Batgirl to Oracle podcast, one of which is Batman Adventures, which is fantastic. And then you do some shipper stuff, too, over there, don't you?
3: Yeah, I have a little segment within a segment that's called Nightwatch. I do look at uh, the Nightwing title and look at it from a shipper perspective. I I think uh, that's something that is on Stella's radar. Uh, Stella's the host (laughs) of the Batgirl tour. Oracle show, and she's given me a little platform to, uh, have, you know, do what I want, you know, with this, but I'm looking at the current Batman Adventures, well, not the current, but currently I'm looking at the Batman Adventures title. This was a title back in the 90s Mm -hmm. that was based on the animated series of the time, and those were some great stories that I thought were a little underrated, and I I didn't think they got much of a spotlight, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm trying to, you know, promote and, uh, you know, hey, you know, remember this Batman story was really good, so I'm trying to, you know, Give that a little boost, you know, if you're looking for a sure. uh, Batman story, that's good and for all ages. Also, I'm looking at Batman uh, 66 meets Archie, or Batman 66 <laughs> meets Archie, if you <laughs> and we will. You know, and it's it's a lot of fun. You've got the villains yeah. of uh, the past series in there. You've got uh, Joker, uh, Penguin, Riddler, Catwoman, uh, the Siren's even involved with this, and they invade Riverdale. So, Zany hijinks ensue, and I'm, I'm a sucker for Batman 66, so I'm also giving that a look at. Jerry, I know you're we're having a lot of fun reading comics because uh, you like uh, the Gotham females such as mm-hmm. Batgirl and Catwoman. Yes. You've got the great distinction of writing some excellent reviews uh-huh. that I just can't wait till they drop because I oh, really like yeah. your prose and take on this. And where can
2: listeners find your written reviews of Batgirl and Catwoman? I you can find them on the BatmanUniverse.net uh, website, and so the BatmanUniverse.net, which is you know one of the the sponsors of this uh, this show, uh, this is where we do this show from. They have all kinds of great Batman and Bat Family related content, and over there I do uh, reviews for for Batgirl and Catwoman, as you said. I just did uh, last week. I did one for Harley Quinn number fifty, which was oh, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, that uh, was a wild one. So
3: <laughs> that <laughs> but, was you know with the with the- the continuity and everything. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was bananas. Oh, yeah. So, oh, and yeah. so and you can also, if you find me out on Twitter, you can find me at Professor Frenzy, and I tweet out my weekly comics and uh, talk about indie comics and uh, tweet about uh, how hard it is sometimes getting through some of the story arcs in Dark Shadows, uh, which I'm stuck in one right now. And uh, <laughs> Chris and I also live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Svengoolie.com on uh saturday evenings and we saw uh a pretty good one last night didn't we chris
3: yeah return of the creature you know i can't yeah. go wrong with the universal and when you hear those horns playing you know, <laughs> you, even if you're you know you, you just didn't know the creature is gonna strike and it, great movie john agar of course yeah. you know uh, uh horror movie veteran and just just a lot of fun uh I, I love those old universal horror movies and you know that was one i think that got that that particular film got Kept getting preemptive on spend for some yes. reason, and we we finally got to see it, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: There were some rights issues, I think they had. Ah, uh, that's what happened. Okay, yeah. thanks. And I think we got stuck with ants a couple of times.
3: Yeah, we did, which was uh, one one was enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Myrna so, Law
2: is great, but yeah. Yes, yes,
3: <laughs> yes. Hey Jerry, one thing I was going to back up a little bit. What do you think okay. of uh, Batgirl's new costume?
2: uh i i like it i like it um I'm, I'm really liking the Batgirl, um the story so actually to to be really honest with you i'm really more focused on what's going on with her at the at this point i think the costume is kind of it's still reminiscent of the burnside ish it's got elements it's got the flavor it's got a kind of a youngish feel um but you know um uh i the that's not something that I really um, get too too concerned about, as you could tell by you know if you saw me dress, you'd say, "Oh yeah, he doesn't he doesn't care about his clothes too much." <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What do you do? You like it? I, I, I it's kind of grown on me. Initially,
3: okay. I didn't. I kind of thought, well, I don't know about the boots, you know, mm-hmm. that kind they kind of look a little weird. But and, and I don't know if. Uh, you got all the hair flowing there mm-hmm. and just the, the one facial mask. Yeah, uh, but it's growing on me. I, okay. I will say I, I like how uh, it's been depicted so far in what I've seen. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's growing on me.
2: How about the Catwoman costume? Uh,
3: well, I, I, I'm glad we're going in more of a direction like this. I, I'm kind of t- tired with the uh, – the, the zipper and the goggles. Mm-hmm. I, 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 want, I want to see the next, uh,
2: next incarnation. Okay, I, want to see, yeah. I kind of want to move away from that a little bit. I'm sure we'll get comments on other folks when they hear this. <laughs> what you. are you guys crazy? <laughs> it's great or it's terrible.
3: <laughs> well, speaking of comments, we did get some comments on our last episode, and that's where we covered Catwoman, The Long Road Home. Oh, yeah. And we heard, on uh, let's see, from Captain DC, mm-hmm. who mentioned over on the TBU website, he said, "Quote, Definitely not the greatest ending to this Catwoman run. Mm-hmm. Kind of like with Tom King's Batman number 50, a lot of quality character development was chucked out the window, mm-hmm. just for the sake of emotional conflict slash melodrama. Helena didn't need to be given up for adoption. Yeah. Selina could have at least raised Helena up until the Flashpoint reboot, eventually revealing that Bruce was actually the father would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Catwoman toying with Batman in issue number 82 was great. But I wish Will Pfeiffer would have left Catwoman with a better status quo, mm-hmm. prior to Paul Denny using her in his runs of a Detective Comics and Gotham City Sirens. First off, uh, Captain DC, thank you for leaving us a comment yeah. on the TBU website. We really appre- sincerely appreciate you taking the time to write, and I think you raise a lot of great points mm-hmm. because uh, there was a lot of character development checked out the window just for the sake of emotional conflict. I can't agree with you an- more. Uh, the point with Helena, yes, I agree with mm-hmm. you. Good good, good stuff there, and we really thank you for listening. Yeah, I, I do wish Will Pfeiffer would have left Catwoman with a better status quo. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with
2: you. And even Batwoman, uh, Batman agrees with him on uh, the the adoption of Helena.
3: Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, thank you for chiming in. We we, we really appreciate it, and I. Such concise points, and I, I, I think you nailed them all. Now, over on Twitter, uh, Optimus Prime 99, who is on Twitter at Optimus Prime 99, naturally, he commented with respect to that episode the legendary Paul Denny, and I guess he's on Twitter at Paul underscore Denny, was able to pick up those threads from Jeff Loeb's iconic Batman Hush, along with the amazing Ed Brubaker slash Darwin Cook Catwoman Run, and really solidify the hashtag Bat Cat relationship for the modern era. Yeah, Optimus Prime, thank you very much for chiming in. Yeah, you notice how one writer kind of just picks up the reins where some somebody left off and discards it. I, I, th- I think Optimus yeah. Prime brings up a good point as well. Now, let's see. For the likes and retweets, on the past episode, oh. we heard from the following. Randy, the comics nerd at Randall Andrews nice. 1. He's the host of Soundtrack Alley podcast. Yep. Cristados at Cristados 1. That's the podcast awesome. moniker for the international man of mystery. now <laughs> podcasts that he can be found on are at The Longbox Crusade and... OHMS podcast and other great appearances on other podcasts here here. Now yes. that OHMS pod is for the James Bond podcast that they do. Mm-hmm. We also heard from Rad Adventures at Rad oh. underscore Adventures. Rad is a network of podcasts from Darren and Ruth, focused on adventures, stories, including Trekker Tark, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. Mm-hmm. We heard from Batman Crime Solver at Batman Crime Solve. Scott X at The Mind of Scott X. Awesome. Coffee and Comics at Coffee and Comics. Hey, nice. okay, thanks, Clinton. And give his podcast a listen to while having a cup of joe. The Selling Out at The Selling uh-huh. Out Show. That's a bi-weekly show about the world we live in, hosted by a couple of guys who screw up at every turn. Hey, thanks, Dave. Awesome. Louis Guillen at louis__gr. Mm-hmm. Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop oh. at Gal Walks. Hey, that's a good show. Barbara is starting to read comics. And Bob has read them before. Mm. And on top of that, he provides... Provides fun quizzes, audio plays. Now occasionally Barbara sings and there's even an occasional appearance of Stan the Man himself. Nice. Fun, fun show. We also heard from the underscore man ninety four at the underscore man ninety four. Alex at AH seven seven eight five. George at Hypnotic eighty nine. Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG, of course. Thank you so much. Lisa Ann Roses Magagaya fan at Magagaya fan times two. Great. Thanks so much, everybody. If we overlooked you, please send a tweet or direct message to Jerry at Professor Frenzy on Twitter or myself at BTU on Batbooks and we will be sure to mention you on our next show. Can't thank you enough for all your comments and likes and retweets on Twitter. That's really, really
2: flattering. Yes. I really appreciate it. it. Really is. Thanks, everyone. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time, where Chris and I will continue our coverage of Batman R.I.P. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Hushes, we can
1: have it. Hurting cats and kids. He has family problems. Ain't the person he should have been. Scarecrows spreading toxins. I took a big hit. Gave me wicked munchies, but get Selena out of it. Oh, Alfred gordon should send his man i'm hanging in the back cave with bad books for beginners again i'm hanging in the back cave with bad books for beginners again